Wow, you guys had a pretty big year. Well, I guess 2022 was really the big year. We're in 2023 now. But you guys came out with a splash of a new peripheral for sim racing that, you know, I've seen polarizing reviews. I've seen the people who are really positive about it. I've seen the people who are maybe a little bit more on the negative side about it. How, in your experience, how has the reception of this force feedback pedal actually been? Yeah, yeah, it has been great. Uh, I think that the, it kind of went in phases. So, so when we we teased it, people kind of guessed that it will be a pedal, and everyone was well, obviously waiting for a passive pedal because you know there, <laughs> there were no active pedals at that right. time. So, so, um, so yeah, then people got like a little bit excited that Jimmy could be doing a pedal. So I don't know if they expected that we can do something different there. Uh, but then when we when we released it and, and showed it to the world, then everyone was like, whoa, what is that? And that is so cool. And people were selling their kidneys. Right, all there. of a sudden the Facebook, on the, on the, Facebook the, marketplace the, blew up with yeah. everyone selling their pedals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, it was great to see that. We did a little live stream back then when we, when we published and launched it. And so it was great to kind of browse through the comments that, that people are so excited about it and so on. Um, then, uh, actually, in the in the in the sim racing expo, we the first couple of uh, first two days, I think, where people got to taste it, they were very excited. And, and on the, the, the evening of the second day or third day, we we announced the price. And at that point, we get a, like <laughs> a little bit of back backslash that how can it be so expensive? And, and I think that we kind of slightly messed up the, the expectations management that what what the price level will be for this sure. product so people were, were kind of expecting a little bit like lower price products so that that we kind of yeah we we, we stepped in some kind of yeah. point there but yeah but i think that actually um if you think that what what combines the people who who don't like the product it's the they have not tried it, so we, we had like several people on the on the third or fourth mm. day of the Simulation Expo that people, when they knew the price, they actually came. I remember actually like two two different people who came there and they both said that that it cannot be like this expect expensive. I will never never um, never pay this much for like now nine thousand dollars nine thousand euros for pedals that, that I will never pay so much. And then I discussed with them that. And, and, and he said that, that yeah, it's, it's way too much. And then I, I discussed that you basically only need the, the brake pedal first. Yeah. And then you can kind of see that if, if it, you can actually try it. If you buy the one pedal, you can try it as a brake or, or a gas pedal. Then you, you don't, because it's the same pedal. So, so yeah. And then he was still kind of agitated, really, that, that, that it's so, he just came to us and said that it's too expensive. And he would never buy it. That was his kind of agenda uh-huh, there. Uh-huh. And then, then I, I, I saw the same guy like two hours later, and then I, I asked him, to, have you tried it now? Because he hadn't yet tried it. And then, then he said, yeah, I actually tried it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you can only buy one. It's not, I mean, <laughs> Rationalizing. I mean, no, you know. maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe. <laughs> it's, it's, it might be, yeah, it's possible. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so basically when, when people try it, they kind of, they kind of like understand that what the whole thing is about. So I think that is the, 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 the challenge for us that we need to kind of figure out that how we can kind of communicate a little bit better than we are doing now so that so that people understand that that 
what it kind of makes possible. What, what's the like reason and the and, like the, the benefits of the of the active wear like really? Well, so, so yeah. in my eyes, but that that said, we have we have already sold all of them so far. Right, right. <laughs> in my eyes, it's kind of it's normal technology cadence when it comes to price, right? So my dad was mm-hmm. one of the first people to ever get a DVD player in the house, and that DVD player was like six hundred dollars when he bought it. You can now go to Walmart and get one for like thirty, and it does the exact same thing. So it's the natural progression of technology where something new comes out. It's really expensive to manufacture and create, and obviously mm-hmm. to purchase. But over time, the the process gets a little bit optimized. The parts become a little bit cheaper. The price does come down eventually. But if you ever want to be that first one in on any technology, you're always going to pay that massive premium for being the first one. And, you know, I, I'm sure that you guys going to Sim Racing Expo 2023 are expecting some people to start talking about their own versions of active pedals and you're going to have competitors mm-hmm. in the market. And that's naturally going to bring things back to equilibrium again. But it's just kind of one of those things that you have to, as a technology guy, you have to go, I want to be first. I know I'm going to pay a mm-hmm. lot of money, but I'm going to have it first. And it's going to be one of those things that's unique to me, unique to my kit, whatever. So I don't know if necessarily you stepped on a landmine there other than just being the first mm-hmm. one is just kind of that's that's the territory you have to walk you know yeah uh, yeah that's true and we have later we have discussed with the on discord and, and like in, in social media about the price and so on and, and it seems that people now kind of understand that what why is why it is so expensive because you know that the the parts are just so yeah. expensive inside so i mean there's a def- definitely still room for kind of improvement there that, so so for example right now this, the pedal can be like throttle clutch and brake and and you know that is something that can be optimized and so on and do you really need the 170 kilos of like force there I, right you know there's there's a way that the price could be brought down still so but the the interesting thing that that I noticed about the launch is that it it kind of firmly puts SimuCube within a bracket in terms mm. of your brand. So the SimuCube Direct Drive has been the king of Direct Drive for a long time. It's been the the pinnacle. That is what people would save for. Like a a diehard sim racer, most of the diehard sim racers I know mm. are saving for SimuCubes yeah. rather than Fanatex. In in from my experience and. By SimuCube coming out first, the first force feedback pedal, you kind of firmly place yourselves as the premium innovators. Like these are the guys that are doing it best. They're doing it first. Okay, yeah, they are like the most expensive, but it's for a reason. And when you come out with such an innovative product and you do it before anybody else, it kind of backs up that brand identity of you essentially being Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I think that is that is what where we that is what we do, and that's what we wanna be. I mean, for if you, you mentioned Fanatec, I mean they they are great at the like in volume production, and they do it in in China and so on. So they have like the the, the, the mass productionist, and now I, I think Asetic Profit. I don't know much about what they're doing, but I mean it looks like they are kind of targeting the same same market that they will like you know, do the same stuff as everyone else has done and then they like shooting for the mass production and so on. And, and that is that is completely fine. And 
And obviously that is what sim racing also needs that to, to kind of have the, the products available. But but yeah, I mean sim mm. uh, yeah, sim racing also needs the kind of innovators and, and that is what we do at our at our core. Like we haven't have not always been a sim racing mm. company and, and so we kind of have the history there to to kind of innovate and, and, and so on. We had learned a lot, a lot of crazy stuff in the past. <laughs> we'll probably do it in the future. <laughs> yeah. So tell us how you came to be an innovator. Like, take us right back to the beginning. Have you always been an innovator? Have you always been an inventor? I've had a little look through your LinkedIn profile. I can yeah. see that engineering is your background. Tell us, like, what did you study at school? And then, and then when you left, was it was it always, I, I'm going to go and make a a gaming hardware company or yeah actually i'm just story? a ceo here so i've been in in, in this in, in at granite devices which is the company name basically so i've been here like five years now time flies fast so yeah and, well shortly about me first and i can talk about jimmy cube or granite device uh, i i have kind of personally been like i don't know inverter but like, like very interested in, in technology and electronics and so on so I studied at, at uh, we actually, our office is very near, but there's a technical university right there. And like many of our people come from di- directly from there. So, so it's the all this all the area where we are is very technology based. It's like the Silicon Valley of Finland, <laughs> <laughs> almost. So, so yeah. Um, yeah. For me, it has been like, like lifelong dream to always do something with electronics. And I almost burned down the parents' house when I was doing things as a kid like in like very young so yeah but yeah now i was in the technology it was basically a startup that didn't end end very well so i was there doing like designing like electronics and automation and mechanic designing and then project managing and and eventually leading the the design and and assembly lines there but it was very very small company so after that kind of ended then I, I i moved here here to credit device and and now we are kind of trying to figure out that 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 how we can kind of yeah i mean how we can kind of kind of like be happy at work i mean that is kind of the, the ultimate goal of credit devices I mean, and there's just so many like innovative people here and then that, that kind of brings us to the innovation that is if we don't do innovations we are not happy and so on right. so you know we that is what we want to be as a company but yeah, short short history of granite devices. We we or Tera Kontkanen, who's the founder of granite devices, founded this originally in two thousand seven. Um, it was like a side hustle, <laughs> more or less, and and he basically used almost like almost ten years to do the technology and the, the motor control and the servo motor control. He just like he was working in another company and, and just like doing the firmware and, and software, doing that and testing motors and so wow. on. So that is that is where our technological background comes from. That kind of like massive knowledge of, of servo motors. Um, uh, at, at some point, like maybe six years ago we started or Tero started to hire like like actually hire people to do it to the business right. and at that point the products were servo motor controllers for industrial use so basically like robots and stuff there's are like testing robots that has uh, like 18 uh, motor controllers that are that control all different motors so 
So the, the point was that the, the whole thing is very versatile, it's like Swiss Army knife motor control. So it's one small PCB that can handle like any kind of motor okay. insert and power range and so on. So, so yeah, the, the versatility was also a like, very important mm-hmm. point there. And then we also did some very interesting like customer project at that time. For example, there has been a, an electric airplane with our motor controllers that some like actual human being from thin air. <laughs> like this test pilot of Finnair actually flew so and that was like a while ago <laughs> so that was oh, before wow. any like electric bikes or anything like that which, which actually have done projects for electric bikes wow. as well so um yeah then we have done like electric pipettes that you use in medical things when you measure the liquids and there's like very very tiny little motor and even tinier motor control so they that the, like i mean the history of like there's very like vast range of things that we have done in grant devices and uh, yeah, that's and that kind of gives us very big like knowledge of of, of that that field, like like basically yeah, motors <clears throat> and the control. It's interesting that you say you know trying to find happiness at work in in a lot of your engineers. So innovating and inventing things seems to be a massive passion. Do you find that in mm. the world of sim racing, it is harder to innovate than maybe some other industries? Because I mean, wheelbases, pedals, shifters. What else is there really? And, you know, how far can you realistically go before you're like, well, I guess this yeah. is kind of the, the end road. This is the end game. We've gone as far as we can with sim mm. racing. Do you find that in the world of sim racing, it is hard to innovate and change things to a certain extent? Yeah, I mean, maybe a little bit, but there's still, there is still, you know, room for improvement and like room for okay. innovation. We, we already have. Yeah. Yeah. There's. We will, we will show you later, <laughs> but yeah. Mm-hmm. There's there's definitely uh, places yeah. <laughs> to go. Um, but like you, you also, yeah. you made an interesting point about how your pedals, you may have stepped on a landmine because of the pricing. So sim racing is going mm-hmm. through a little bit of a, I don't want to say growing pains, but it kind of feels like growing pains where now there's there's kind of the low end market uh, where it's like consumer entry level with Thrustmaster, Logitech, uh, some of the Fanatec stuff. There's the mid range in there. And then now it seems like there's getting to be this ultra high end, like your wheel costs $2,000. And it's just getting to a point where it's almost difficult as a sim racer that already has decent gear to go anywhere else with their gear. So do you feel that the sim racing market will possibly, uh, I guess for lack of a better term, chill out a little bit in the pricing? And because it just keeps going up and up and up. And honestly, as a consumer, mm-hmm. me, someone who, you know, does the checkbook, I want the prices to come down a little bit <laughs> on some of these premium yeah. products. Yeah, but I think that actually now that we have seen some of the new players come, uh, I mean, what typically happens in the market is obvious that, that the prices will go down, as you, as you mentioned earlier, and, and there will be new companies and new kind of uh, competitors and players there on the market. So. So yeah, I think that that will that will definitely affect the prices yeah. as well, and and there will be more like for consumers is great because there will be more like like offerings and different kind of products and they like a little bit different yeah. kind of products. So yeah, when when there are multiple companies doing the same type of stuff, it like brings the price down naturally. But yeah, then there's like the brands who kind of how you, how you want to position in that market. We we cannot really go low end because we, 
I mean, we would suck there. We don't know how to make some stuff cheap. So yeah. that is, we, we don't know right. how to do it. We, our manufacturer is in Northern Europe. So we don't, we don't have that kind of sure. like, yeah, you know, so th- that's not for us. Mm. But yeah, if you, if you think, for example, the, the, the origin story of Simicube, I mean, as, as I mentioned, current devices were still doing like industrial stuff and so on. So, so jumping to sim racing was not, it wasn't like, oh, like, number one plan sure. how we want to but we want to be in in five years or something like that we didn't even dream about that like five years before we launched the simcube one but yeah it was very kind of interesting story because at that time when simcube one was launched before that there was the the osw project the open sim wheel thing that was open um, open source code hmm. and and so on so from kind of from our perspective, like Rantivas perspective, it looked like like we had the um, actually Argon was the one of our product back then that was the uh, industrial motor controller designed to use like in industrial use and so on. And at some point, point some guy asked asked Tero that he he, he had bought a, a massive servo motor and then he put a wheel there <laughs> and he said, I need to drive this now, so please help me with the software. And Tero was like, okay. And then Tero helped it. Tero helped them with the software, and and, and and he didn't hear anything back, like for for months or or even for I don't know, it might be a little longer time. But and at that some point, he he checked from the web store like why there is so many people buying just one. Uh, servo controller because the servo controllers was designed so that there are like many of them that is where the kind of benefit came that you have like multiple of them in the same machine and it's easier to control all the axes at the same software okay. and so on so that's the kind of little bit like a point of the and then he was looking at what, what why is there people just buying one of them it doesn't make sense and then he kind of dove deeper into that and and find out that there's actually got this kind of like underground community on on on, on sim racing that has formed around that product and uh, people are trying to get, have bought some motors and trying to kind of get it working huh. and figuring out the cabling and stuff like that. And, and there was a lot of like, like safety issues and stuff like that with the software, because it wasn't like, it was an open, you know, source <laughs> right. project that someone had just done. Mm. So, so I think that the, that was, that was kind of the root for the whole Simicube. And that is why the community is so important to us. And now we had to, just launched the Discord and so on, and be able to kind of try to like get that back in the. I mean, before back in the days, we it, it was the our forum, the Trent Devices forum, that was very popular among the sim racers when we we're still kind of trying to figure it out how it's how it's done. Because at that at that time, there was no other option. If you wanted a direct drive, then that was basically the only shot that you got that how you can get one. You just had to buy the motor from somewhere. It's not that some consumer product that you can just order from, right. you know. <laughs> anyway, it's, it, it takes some knowledge and, and so on, and, and then uh, Grant Device kind of decided to, to help a little bit, and we did the Indiegogo campaign uh, with Simicube One. Um, that was like a motherboard, like PCB still, and then there was the uh, our own like uh, servo motor controller that plugs into that motherboard. But it's still like DIY product that you still need to kind of know how to use and so right. on so it wasn't easy to use so and after that we kind of saw 
the the potential there and see that the, the market is really kind of starting to grow because at that point it was like like very very expensive gaming controller <laughs> and there was like no certain way that we could make sure that it would ever sell anything <laughs> but yeah then we decided that that yeah we will do the simicube 2 which is the like plug and play product that you can just like put in and use so so yeah that that's like the short story of how simicube simicube was kind of found that's basically. pretty interesting and at some point yeah at some point we just decided like couple of years back we decided that we will go all in sim racing we kind of tried to juggle the industrial side and the sim racing yes. side and it was a small company so you know we could we kind of had to decide that which one we want to go for or do we want to fail yeah. so it and it was it was a hard choice for us because i mean we was we were an industrial company and all the people we have hard work on the industrial side so we didn't know anything about consumer market really. We, now, we, now we had after that we have like hard like marketing people and sales people who are like focused on on that and and even even on the R and D side we have now people who are focused on you know making the stuff look nice and so on, <laughs> yeah. which is not something you kind of expect. <laughs> it's not the first thing on the industry side. Yeah, yeah. In, in an industry kind of a usage, they don't care as long as it works, it's fine. But you know, yeah. when you bolt on something yeah, onto sure. a sim rig, you're like, "Oh, I want my sim rig to look pretty too." Like, yeah, <laughs> that's kind of yeah. kind of interesting that you yeah. say that. <laughs> yeah. But it's still something that you can see from our product. If you look SimCube too, I mean, it looks industrial. It's it's not something that has the RGB LEDs and stuff like mm. like a gamer gamer product. It's it's, it's right. not that. Yeah, yeah. Also, that the active pedal it, 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 it's it's functional and then it looks like clean and industrial and that is like. That's, that looks awesome. I'd be yeah. happy with it. One of the biggest problems I have with the, the pedals at the moment is just the sheer size. Because I actually have mm-hmm. a desk-mounted setup, so I don't have a lot of room between the wall and where my pedals have to mount. So the Simicube stuff yeah. just wouldn't even fit in my rig. It, I'd have to create mm-hmm. a new rig somewhere else in order to put it on there. Do you mm-hmm. think that version 2, version 3, something like that will just compact like it a up a little bit and make it a little bit more, uh, I guess, size-friendly? <laughs> I don't know what, what I'm looking for there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I understand what you're talking about. We actually, that is like a drawback of the design and, and it is something that is kind of hard to, I mean, you can, you can use a different ways to kind of, or different geometries, how it, how you can kind of do it. Um, one of the, the major things that, that creates that, uh, like why, why it's so like big, it's because we need to have the motor on the same axis yeah. as the, the linear, linear axis is. So it needs to be directed there. One option is could be that it's like turned into the mm-hmm. side, but then you would have a belt or something there, and that that's yeah, not good. yeah, that makes so, sense. And it makes the, the software software, and it, it it creates drawback. So that is why we kind of need to have it there. And if we want to have the one hundred seventy or two hundred kilo, kilos of of the pedal uh, force that that you kind of yeah need, yeah. then <laughs> uh, uh, then. Uh, yeah, it means that the motor needs to be a, a relatively big. I mean, it's like like uh, ten centimeters or something like that. The motor, okay. motor itself. So, but yeah, but there's 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 still ways how the design can be changed and optimized for that use mm-hmm. as well. But but I do see that there's it is it was a like known risk that not all people can use that because of the, of yeah, the length. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. How did um 
how did the pedal come about? So, I mean, I'm I'm still kind of recovering a little bit from your origin story about how people took took these servers servos and then just like <laughs> made them sim racing equipment and then you were like, oh, an alternative use for our equipment. <laughs> yeah. Let's just completely pivot the whole company in that direction. Like that's I I I, yeah. I don't want to let that one slide. That's nuts. That is the most incredible origin story and the most true to oh, yeah, an example true. of listening to your customer that i've ever heard yeah. <laughs> like, it's absolutely nuts um was there a similar yeah, I mean, story I, I would add to the, the, the previous story that at that point we had a lot of like r&d hours for the sim racing i mean we had to do all the firmware for the for the and there was right now it's a lot easier because the kind of groundwork is already done with the game developers and so on so the the games have like relatively good support now for the mm. force feedback things yeah. back, back then the only force feedback that was yeah. used was like it's logitech like you know like plastic wheels and so on where the, it was like, like rumble and a really well feedback so so there was some yeah uh, all kinds of like safety issues and stuff like that because the, the game could just if you drive in the wall no. they just like try to get the, try to get the maximum like feeling from the, the plastic wheel that like say it just bumps the they force to the full and then you <laughs> start spinning and so on. So, so there were a lot of kind of that, that groundwork that we had, we, we had to do because we were the, well, not maybe the, not first, but like one of the first, uh, direct type manufacturer at that time. So there's a lot of like software things that we had to do a lot of work. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, it, it wasn't like easy just to pivot to sim racing and that. So, but yeah, for the, for the bells. For the pedals, but else it was like um, it was. It has. It was an idea that we had had for a long time. Um, we we have very like like we are small company, so we have like limited resources on where we focus and so on. And so at some point, we and also Simicube Two was designed to be a product that will last that you can use for a very long time. So we kind of wanted to make sure that. That it has all the all the features and so on, and we we still develop after we can buy it and so on. So, so that took a lot of the resources uh, still when it was launched and so on. So it was it has been developed a lot after that as well. But yeah, that the pedal idea was something that we, we we thought for a very long time, and we knew that it wouldn't be a very cheap product, so it would be a, a kind of massive gamble. And it still is. We 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 haven't actually delivered any of the products yet. I think so. So yeah, um, oh, I'm, I'm, uh, obviously people have tested in on, on like Simracing Expo and so on in different places on US as well. But you know, nobody has or very few people have it in their right. home. Yet, so. But yeah, it was it was an idea that we have had for for a long time, and we kind of we just weren't sure that if we should do it, should do it or not. Mm. The interesting thing about the pedal is that in the same way as the SimiCube mm. 2 is designed to last a long time, the the pedal could go through years of development mm. once a sim racer has it, right? So let's say I bought the pedal, the way it works and feels now could be completely different yeah. to how it works and feels in two years' time because of the uh-huh. ability to upgrade the firmware. I remember we were speaking at the expo about how you can input mm. profiles from certain cars so if you're racing a mazda the brake pedal would yeah. feel softer than if you're racing a formula car so you could get that, that level of immersion experience and you were talking about the um little spikes in resistance mm. at certain uh, braking percentages 
so that you can yeah. essentially train yourself to trail break. So you get to, you know, if you wanted to, right, at this corner, you need to break to 80%. And then by the time you hit the apex, you want to be at about 30%. Mm -hmm. And that needs to be a nice linear curve or whatever it is. You can like get these little like spikes in resistance. Oh. So you get the feedback through your foot to train yourself to do this, uh, this trail breaking. And I kind of thought, well, that's, there's got to be like mm -hmm. a professional application to that. Like, I mean, I don't know, but I, I, I imagine even like the Mercedes <laughs> McLaren, like, you know, I, I bet that I bet they're like real world simulator that the Formula One teams I'm talking about, I bet their simulators don't have that capability. Is yeah, that for sure. I mean, consider? that is one, one like, yeah, I don't know, like business area that we can, we could talk, uh, like, you know, consider and, and we are actually, yeah, as you might expect, we have been kind of discussing with a lot of different players around the motorsports as well. So yeah, there are, there are like a lot of ways that the idea with the pedal was that, that the hardware is as versatile and like as good as possible. So now it yeah, kind of links to the price, but now the hardware is as like, I mean, we have found like tiny little things that we could improve on it, but, um, but yeah, we are very happy with the hardware. And, and now that we have very versatile hardware, we can do a lot of stuff with the softwares. And that is something that like our software deal developers will still do the whole year, basically to kind of maximize that and do a Like we have just scratched mm. the surface on the software side. So there's a lot of like potential on, on very different things on the, on, on the software. Um, yeah, so I've just had an idea, right? And and like your software, I think when we last spoke, you said that you could imagine a place where people would be able to swap profiles. So somebody would be like, oh, I've got a really good profile for a Formula 3 car. Let me send you the file and you can load it in and have it. Right. In theory, could people create profiles for like the Hoysenvelt sprints and the ultimates or like the, I don't know, like the Logitech pedals or like a TLCMs if you're a Thrustmaster guy or the, like the V3s. So in theory, like, could you see like a forum on race department where it's like, Oh, do you really like the V3s? Well, you could recreate them on Simucube and test them or, or, you know, you could, you could, if somebody, uh, I'm just imagining if I had the Simucube pedal and a friend of mine was like, Oh, I, I want to get into sim racing, which pedal set should I get? I'm like, well, try them all, try all of them on this rig. Like with this single pedal, you can test like eight different kind of pedals kind of and then tell me like, which one do you yeah. prefer? Yeah. I mean, why not? It's, it can it, it is any pedal you want we actually <laughs> i don't know if i told you at, 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 at germany but we were we had a company party where we where we yeah on some emulator we had sega rally championship from 1995 and at that we we drove that with the active oh, wow. pedal nice. um, um, if you if you think what kind of pedals the arcade team <laughs> had at that point it's like like it's there were no force feedback, let's say. Yeah, basically. Yeah, like so, a spring. Yeah, it can be true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We want them and, and more. That's very cool. That's very cool. And um, something that I've noticed about uh, Simicube is that, you know, we were talking earlier about other other players coming to the market. So like, you know, mm. you've got Moser and, and Assetek and even Simagic now. I know Simagic have been around for a little bit longer, but they're definitely kind of um, pushing more now. Um, but they, they seem to have like quite a lot of products like Assetek, mm -hmm. for example, blew my mind at the expo. Cause obviously the year before they had like an, the Invicta pedal, I think just on a shelf on somebody else's booth. Like that was their only mm -hmm. presence. And obviously last year they were massive. 
uh, as in December just gone, they were absolutely enormous. And they had like a full range of stuff ready to go. Now, Simicube seems to be a little bit more, I don't know, uh, maybe considered perhaps. So you've got your wheelbases and then you have your active pedal. And then given that you have your own wheelbase, you only have one steering wheel, the Taco, which by the way is probably one of the best looking wheels, I think, um, on the market. It looks pretty sexy. But there's only one. And I, I, I mean, I'm making an assumption here, but sh- in my head, the, the base mm-hmm. probably takes a lot more R&D than the wheel. So I suppose my question yeah. is, why aren't there more yeah, wheels? Yeah, I mean, that is... Yeah, it took like, I would say, maybe like, I don't know, two years to get the active pedal done when we decided that we were finally going to like start it. And if we had done wheels alongside, then it would be it would have taken longer. So it is all, all about prioritization. And it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's about the focus and, and what, what we want to do and what we want to achieve because the active pedal is... We are not the first company who have tried to do sure. it. I, I mean, I have talked talk, talk to like different company people that they have said that they have tried it as well. And, and when they, I, I heard a story at, actually at the, the Sim Racing Expo uh, uh, that when we when we launched the, the product, then one CEO said that, hey, that would be our product. We have tried to do that for a long time and we kind of didn't get it done. So it, it's, it was not easy. It like really took all the, the expertise we had in, in this. I mean, the, the geometry and the, the hardware is very simple. It's, you have the motor and the axis and the pivot plan. It's very, very, very simple. I mean, anyone can do that. The, the, the hard part is in the firmware, how to get it, how to make it feel so that you don't feel it, mm-hmm. basically. So that you don't feel the motor, you don't feel like it, it feels like like mm. what you say in the software, so that the hardware doesn't like feel anything. So that was that was the hard part. And, and we had people who, software engineers who are like, very very good on what they do and so on that it still took them a long time and and actually after the Germany you had we have still like almost completely changed the algorithms that, that control the motor and is even still a lot better than what it was in the sim racing expo so so yeah yeah it, it, it wasn't the easy project to do that but but yeah on our like product portfolio we we do see that as as kind of kind of limitation for us it would be nice to to kind of offer the, the, the customers the kind of so that they could they could rely on one brand so that they know that when they buy a wheel it will be semi-cube quality and so on so so we are working towards that so so in the future we are trying to uh, to make both happen so we can still do the innovations and the innovations will always mm-hmm. come first and then when we have like more time and resources then we can do like the the simpler products the peripherals right and is your your ethos has always been well from a consumer perspective has always Mm. been very open so you know your wheelbase because you didn't have a wheel obviously had to be compatible with other wheel manufacturers right is that would that if you came out with your own range of let's say four or five wheels would your ethos be to keep it open so that you could still use other wheels it's not you're not planning on making like a no, but not at least not not at this point. We are actually, yeah, we are, yeah, yeah. There are different ways, and there's still like, like, yeah. Hmm. How would I say this? I think that the 
there is still room for improvement or innovation in the wheels as well. It's not, it's not. I don't, I don't think that they are still working like at the, at the level that that they could. So I, I think that we can still bring something to that, like the whole whole wheel, like infrastructure and so on. But mm-hmm. but yeah, that is something mm. for the future. So like something that transcends direct drive. So we've gone from like gear driven to mm. belt driven to direct drive. I suppose before we were saying mm. like, where do you go from here? Everything is done, but maybe there's like, I don't know, super drive, like, you know, like, like, like another technology, right? Like we're just mm. assuming that direct drive is the peak, the pinnacle of what's possible. Maybe there's yeah. a level above direct drive. And if it's called oh, super drive, right? You heard it I here first. To, That's I all I'm going to say. Super drive. <laughs> Uh, yeah, maybe. Well, <clears throat> one of my, I don't know if it's like a, a pet peeve or if it's like a little bit of OCD, but for some reason, I always feel like the wheel and the wheelbase have to pair together. I don't know why. Uh, <clears throat> it's probably because at the at the moment, I'm a Fantech user for the wheelbase and the wheel, but that's because they kind of lock you in to their ecosystem realistically. Mm. Like I can't really get a cube controls without a bunch of extra work for it to work with my wheelbase. Mm. I can't really go out and buy the SimiCube wheel and then just slap it on here. One of the things that I do Mm. like about most other wheelbases is that for the most part, you can just get that adapter piece that is the quick release and then you can slap any wheel on it. So when, when you guys eventually do make some more wheels, do you think the the best route is to go one piece wheel like everything's all included or kind of go the route of like a build your own setup like the button box is separate the quick release is separate the wheel is separate cuz it is kind of nice to be able to say this wheel is mine and it's unique because I built it mm-hmm. through all the parts that are available to me instead of just like well I guess that one works I'll just get that one That's like yeah, I mean, yeah, I think this comes a little bit back into what you mentioned earlier about the sim racing changing and how now the sim racing has grown a lot. It means that they are not only like the, the, the early adopters, there's a lot of like people who just want to have the ready-made product sure. and just everything like clicks and, and works and so on. So, <laughs> and kind of traditionally that mm. on the market, that will be the biggest segment. So that is something that we still, even though we are not the, uh, not the mass production company. We still kind of need to be realistic on where the market market yeah. is going and and so on. So um, and yeah, but yeah, I think that that what we have been doing at least for the mm-hmm. for the last year, I think that, that the focus was on the like commercial side when we were kind of waiting for the active mm-hmm. development so we can we can sell it. <laughs> uh, we we we, yeah. we spend a lot of time like investigating about the customer segments and. Like what, how the sim racing has changed, and what are the like new possible customers of ours, and so on. So, so yeah, that is that is a balance that we kind of want to achieve. And I think that all companies should really think about this. I personally, that that how much of your own brand and like own identity or value willing to sacrifice for the customer. Sure. I mean, if if we if we had asked only from our customers that what should we do next, they would say develop a wheel. And they be, then we wouldn't have done the active pedal because no one can say that we need an active pedal. I mean, very few people sure. can kind of like vision, vision that thing that 
and, and, and so yeah. on. So, so yeah, it's to me, it's, it's, it's a question that how much you can trust on your own instincts and how much you need to be realistic about the customer. Mm-hmm. So, and, and yeah, no, hmm. how much can you rely on that? The people understand that it's like, why you are doing this? What, like, why are we in business? Why, what, what are we bringing to the world? And, and then be, then kind of attracting those people to be our customers mm-hmm. and then kind of compare that, that, that you're just doing like, I don't know, traditional marketing or what, what do you want to call it? So that, that you're just pushing some stuff to people that you think that they yeah. will love or like, and then they might buy your product. And that is like the, I don't know, a little bit more traditional way in my mind. Yeah. It's like the old, um, the old phrase if you'd ask yeah. people what they wanted before yeah. the car was invented yeah. they would have said a faster horse so in the same way that like you know people wouldn't have asked for a full yeah. speedback pedal because they yeah. didn't know it existed yeah it. but i didn't think that we we kind of try to be so, very like i don't know some i don't know, maybe like confident on our own like expertise and our own doing and so on then yeah then we kind of ex hope maybe <laughs> that people people will get that and then people will see that what we are and you know our like values and sustainability and stuff like that that how how like what, what we represent and, and what the people and we are actually doing 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 quite a nice video on this I, i'm not sure when it comes out but but yeah it's a it, it, little bit that explains as well because we are we are from Finland and Finnish people are not traditionally very like marketing minded people. We are like, we are engineers and we go to the basement for two years and then we create a product <laughs> and then we say, put it on the web store and, and you know, buy there. So kind of, there, there's a lot of like cultural challenges that we have also, but we need to try to fight that, that where we kind of land on the, on the marketing message really. Do- what was it like knowing, like, for, like emotionally? What was it like knowing that you were building this force feedback pedal when you went Ooh. to the expo? Not mm. the last one, but the one before. Was there a part of you walking around going, "Oh my god, <laughs> yeah, minds when this comes out," or or was it like, "Oh my god, what if everyone's like, this is a stupid idea?" I don't idea. know. Like, it depends on the rate, date, right. the product, the project. Really, I mean, it wasn't an easy project. <laughs> at, 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 at certain point, we were we weren't even sure that if we can make it happen. I mean. I mean, there was, I remember actually it wasn't the expo, it was here in, in our office that then when actually Tero, uh, who also took part of the software development um, on this case as well. So, so he said at some point that now I'm confident that I can make this happen. So at that point, it was like, when <laughs> Sigh of relief. Tero says that then, yeah, then we can, <laughs> that we can make that happen. Because he's, he doesn't say that too much, oh, okay. so. <laughs> but but yeah, it, it was actually nice to, to kind of think that when we are we are planning everything and that we kind of try, we kind of do things so that we we make them and at some point we we start to like a little bit I don't know like tease them and then send some information to what we are doing and then we kind of like announce something and it it's not something that we kind of reveal our product roadmap for for ten years or something right. like that so like some other other players yeah. are doing so. Yeah. Well, that 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 might have uh, ruined my next question then, which is uh, now that now that the pedal is done, like, yeah. what's what's yeah, what's next? Question. I mean, yeah, yeah. There, there's a lot of like different options that what, what we could do and what what is the next stage. I mean, 
right now we are focusing still on the active pedal. The active pedal is now uh, it's in production. That the production start has been like like the easiest ever we have done, nice. like done. So that that's like I'm still kind of waiting for some kind of last minute catastrophe there. But, <laughs> but yeah, for for for, for now it's it has been great and. <laughs> And I remember that at that uh, at the Sim Racing Expo, I, I promised that we will start shipping on Q1, and we will get quite near the, you know. But, <laughs> Just taking the taking yeah. the video game release route, where <laughs> you, you say weeks. March, it'll, it's yeah. the last day, the last hour, the last minute, and you're like, we made it, we did it. Yeah. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that. But I'm quite confident that we can. I'm not sure if we can ship all of the products out, but at least like most of them, we can do because we have already already manufactured i think that actually our our front content creators were uh yeah last year on the on the factory so they are they are doing some kind of nice. content from there as well so it's nice to show people that how the production goes and what is the situation yeah right now it looks actually very good and to kind of to take into account that this is a very like like innovative product is not that easy to kind of make sure because it's a, lot, it's a different thing to do a, um, like one piece or even pilot like with 20, 20 different uh, like basically the motors is that if you have some variance in the motors and stuff like that then it affects the algorithms and so on so that mm-hmm. is all like, like the risky part that if you can make sure that all of the pedals work and so we have like very thorough testing producer at, at the, the factory that how each one of them is tested with multiple different things like test benches and so on that measure all the all kind of stuff that you need to measure right. so so it's like very 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 thorough testing at least at that point but yeah so far it's all very very good so um, sim racing obviously grew a ton during the covid problem and do you mm-hmm. see that it's slowing down a little bit. So you, based on the timeline, it feels like you guys kind of started maybe a little bit before or even during COVID was happening, the design of the active pedal. Mm -hmm. Do you see Mm -hmm. the excitement for the active pedal uh, slowing down at all just because, you know, people, people are kind of going back to normal things. I mean, I'm still not quite at normal levels of activity, but we're getting there. Do you see it kind of, Mm -hmm changing the trajectory of maybe how you release products and how quickly you develop things? Um, yeah, I think that the COVID actually yeah, affected us or I guess most team racing companies in two ways. It created oh, more yeah. demand and then it, it destroyed the supply chain. <laughs> so that is not a good combination. <laughs> so, but yeah, I think actually... Um, we were, in, we were actually, I don't know, quite lucky or just some, I don't know, probably lucky, <laughs> lucky uh, to, uh, to react on that. So when we see the signs and uh, or saw the signs and see, uh, kind of, I don't know, somehow felt that this will be a big thing for the for the component supply. Then we, we caught a lot of parts, like components in like, like in big enough amount so that we it didn't hit us that much okay. we were like a little bit lucky but at some point we did run out of products because then it kind of also increased the, the demand and we didn't kind of see that so much at that point so and it takes like a lot of time to get the parts and so on so it did create some kind of um yeah we, we, we did run out for like some months but it's it, it was still quite 
quite good compared to like some of the other players that won the sim racing yeah. market. But yeah, I, I, I think that the demand has did uh, did kind of came down from that there was like like some peaks when the for example the F1 drivers started to do sim racing for like little bit yeah. <laughs> they should have done a little bit more but you know then they open the tracks again <laughs> but yeah uh, during that time that that the whole sim racing did have a, a major peak and it came down from that deep peak but nowhere near their like original level where it started right. so but yeah it's not growing that much as it were like but it's still growing. I think it's so, uh, yeah. it's more back to its like normal growth rate again, rather than that big massive yeah. spike. Because everyone's like, "Well, I got, I have to stay home. I have to do something, so I'm going to buy sim racing equipment." <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I think we're still at a very good trajectory, just back to normal levels of growth, where it's like it's <laughs> more sustainable at this level, realistically, especially with because mm. the production and supply chain and stuff. I don't know if they'll ever recover, honestly. It just feels like it's going to become, this is just how it is now where it takes longer to get product and stuff. But uh, it's definitely yeah. at a at a probably healthier rate at the moment. So, mm-hmm. so definitely more sustainable yeah. for companies like you that are trying to get product going yeah. and get, get things out there, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it was quite easy to see from the yeah, SimRate Expo that there was a lot of different companies who are now now kind of getting their production in, back in, you know, they, they are releasing a lot of new products and like new wheels and stuff, new pedals and stuff like that. So there there was like, it, you could see that there was a time when, when nothing really happened. They were not really like new products right. there. They, the companies couldn't get the, the supply chain working. So There's well. a little part of me that because of the spike in growth and because it's now equaled out or equalized again, I wonder if there's going to be any of those companies. Now, I'm not wishing for any company to fail by any means, but I wonder if there's going to be some of those players who jumped into sim racing when it was experiencing that that exponential growth mm-hmm. that will eventually kind of peter out because they don't really have a passion there. They just saw money signs and they were like, oh, let's let's get yeah. into sim racing. And then they peter off and just kind mm-hmm. of disappear almost. I, I, of course, hope not yeah. because, you know, options for consumers is definitely a better thing when we have our choice of different products. But, uh, it, you know, it does feel like there was a lot of stuff coming out rapid fire when we were growing like crazy. Mm-hmm. And now that we're slowed again, yeah. now that's just, yeah, we can't necessarily get a hold of all the products, but there is a massive amount of options now. There's just, there's mm-hmm. uncontrollable amount of options. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, well, if you, again, if you think like how market typically works, I mean, then Typically, the, the smallest companies kind of either they are bought by bigger True. companies or they just, you know, fade yeah. away naturally. So that, that is what I would kind of expect to happen in the sim racing as it happens on the whole auto market as well. But um, yeah, it's it's interesting. It is also kind of links a little bit how, how, the, how the whole sim racing is changing from like hobby into a like profession, like, like big business. So that is also that you can easily see that there are now like players who or companies who are who do this for just money. Like I mean, and that's fine. I mean, that's that's that what happens. Yeah. And and yeah, yeah. And that is the, the 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 mass production and so on. And then it, it, you kind of expect to get get the money back there. And then you just optimize to get the profit. And if you are like well, yeah, yeah, big companies need big profits, obviously. Uh, but you can see this from other other things as well, like 
yeah for example like uh, like nascar and and those like how you kind of link the motorsports into the into sim racing and how what how how that interface looks like it mm. i mean for us we can see it see that interface quite well that is there's a lot of happening there that that uh, especially on the on the kind of money side that that it looks to me like the professional motorsports is now taking the sim racing it they are you yeah. know kind of getting their their own like how how mm. they make money mm. like those processes on, the, on, on sim racing as well so i don't know how that goes but you know that's what seems to happen How important do you think the ESL Face It R1 tournament mm-hmm. on the Rensport platform is to sim racing? As that is industry? like I, yeah, I mean I I like the kind of the, the the background idea. It's it's it looks like well, one of the the issues with sim racing is that if you if you think for example like one of the top uh, Top teams there, like let's say, well, some of the top teams that 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 want to kind of compete with each other. It's it's not clear that we on this platform they should mm-hmm. do it. So it's 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 kind of good to try to kind of standardize mm-hmm. it. That how how can you say that which team is the best, basically, and then you can kind of that that also affects the business model of of, of the sim racing as an esports that that. Uh, that they are the prize pool and the, the, the biggest prize money and so on, and they're going to get the sponsors, as you know, like you, like in traditional sports, that's quite clear. You have like the championship thing, and it's, it's, it's like relatively easy to say that who is best in the world, for example, in, in javelin yeah. or whatever. But that is still uh, something happening for Simmer. That's interesting that you say that, because now that, now that you've kind of opened that door, in a Call of Duty championship, you're all playing the exact same Call of Duty. You're playing the most recent one. Mm-hmm. That's what everyone's playing. In a Dota tournament, you're playing Dota. In the League of Legends, you're playing League of Legends. But in sim racing competitions, are you on iRacing? Are you on ACC? Are you on a modded version of AC? Are you in Race Room? Mm-hmm. What are you playing? Mm. Yeah. yeah. Well, at Expo, it was all three. At Expo, they had iRacing, yeah. ACC, and Race Room all going on. Yeah, which one yeah. is the so best? Is that which, a good thing? Which driver is the best thing? Yeah, so you you can't have a yeah, sim racing true. champion. Yeah. You have to have an ACC champion, and then you have to have a an I racing champion, and you have a race because when you get to that level, I think I think for someone like me, racing race room or racing I racing, oh yeah, it's not going to make a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you're at that level, like the way yeah. the the physics models work will affect a driver who has the most incredible muscle memory for a particular yeah, for sure. car in a particular game. Um, so I, I do like the idea of yeah. having one mm. esports platform for these tournaments to shine a light on the rest of the sim racing world. Um, it is interesting that they mm-hmm. launched the tournament before they launched the game. I do wonder because you know originally they said that they were going to launch the game in December, and then they put out that post saying we're really really sorry, but stuff has happened. There's a part of me that wonders. If it was almost intentional to do the esports tournament first, yeah. because now everyone thinks yeah. of Rensport as the esports platform. It wasn't a game that was, you know, it's it has positioned them in people's minds. That is interesting. Exactly how yeah. they would want to be positioned. Yeah, that's a good um, point. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, you know, there has been a lot of like not all positive things about that as well. But I think that it, that is what some what the, what sim racing kind of really needs is something like that. But but yeah, I don't know. As you know, there's like the from our our perspective, for example, the um, the the hardware is fixed there, mm-hmm. and I think it's. Is it VRS or VR? What's the VRS? Yeah. 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 The pedals. The VRS. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. At least what we heard was that I don't know. This was a little bit biased, but that was not the number one choice for sure. everyone. So I don't know that. But that is that is still a, mm. a like interesting. interesting. Obviously, this has been the same with, for example, F one game with with fanatic and so on so i don't know it might be still that you kind of need to have the hardware standardized as well but, yeah you almost yeah. you almost have to because you know we'll go back to call of yeah. duty and dota and stuff obviously people can bring their own mouse and they have the their their muscle memory for all the buttons on the mouse is memorized you bring your own controller maybe it is a modded controller because i think they're allowed to have them but in in the world of sim racing like if i if I sit on my setup, I'm inherently going to race much better than if I go sit on someone else's setup, but pick the same car, the same setup and everything. I just, you have that memory that you've built up over such a mm-hmm. long period of time that you're going to race better. I don't know. It, mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting because does it level the playing field or does it put more people at a disadvantage? You know, it's it's a hard debate on that mm-hmm. side. So. I don't know if I'd prefer them to be standardized hardware or bring your own hardware, honestly speaking. Yeah, I don't know. It's like... I mean... It is. Real world yeah. motorsport is bring <laughs> your own hardware, right? <laughs> like, like yeah. <laughs> you, have yeah. to, you have to build your own car. So there is a, there's an argument here to say that like, if, if you know, teams could have, in the same way that F1 teams have engine suppliers... Esports teams could have yeah. their sim hardware like suppliers, and that you know there's branding opportunities and sponsorship opportunities there. That would be kind of cool. That I had a, this the last um, podcast we did was with Neville Slade from Vasaro, and we were having a conversation about how how high end these rigs should be for a tournament <clears> like ESL uh, R1. And and I was saying. I think it should be kind of the consumer level yes. stuff so that the consumers who are watching it can relate more to what's mm-hmm. happening. Right? That was the argument I, I put forward. So like is that standard direct drive wheel, like really kind of like common brands that you could, that, that sim racers could buy themselves. And Neville's argument was like, no, 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 <laughs> we should go full motion, like full motion rigs with like, you know, proper direct drive and, and the, the, the most advanced pedals and blah, 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 saying that there's nothing wrong with the esports tournament yeah. being considered the pinnacle, and there being this extra level of immersion, this extra level of challenge, and he also made a good point that the drivers then would be that they, they would all have the same difficulty in terms of adapting sure. to a rig because they're probably not all going to have a motion rig at home. So when you get there, you add this kind of level of like unpredictability, mm. this additional layer of challenge. And I came away from that conversation not really knowing <laughs> yeah. which side of the fence I but, fell on at, at that point. I do. But I do yeah. like the idea of the teams having yeah, supplies. Be, yeah, I mean, if, if cool. you think about the traditional motorsports again, I mean, you 
if you think F1, it's not that close to your standard cars. I mean, it has four wheels, and that's pretty <laughs> yeah, much it. Really. So, <laughs> so you know, that is like the pinnacle of the cars, you know. So, I, um, yeah, yeah. I think that I personally think that if you want to do that kind of, if you want to say that these these are the fastest drivers in the world, the hardware needs to be the fastest hardware in the world. So, I mean, why would you give them a consumer level? Let's say that consumer level um, hardware if they cannot perform at their best really. yeah i mean if you the, the, the lap time mm. should be like that you need to have the fastest lap times so and you need to have the that's hardware a good point that and if you have the hardware that you know uh, is open so you can bring your own hardware at some point it will standardize to something that is yeah. the best <clears throat> i and it might change i definitely time. like the idea of them bringing their own hardware because then there's never that well i wasn't on my stuff so I'm not driving yeah, my definitely. best. So there's always that like mm-hmm. kind of excuse that's like, well, I didn't perform at my maximum level. That's why that guy won instead of instead mm-hmm. of like I did the absolute best I possibly could on my stuff, mm-hmm. on on my setups, and I couldn't beat him. Hats off to him. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. It's, uh... It would be interesting to see like the balance of like on the stage, like, You've got just two crazy guys that are doing it in VR. I mean, you've got like gamer muscle would still be under with a microphone interviewing ultra wide, and then, <laughs> then... <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then, like, if you think back to, we didn't have it so much last year, but at the expo, the 2021 expo, some of the motion rigs in that hall were. <laughs> ridiculous there's no other word for them they were like these big cages yeah. that you're going upside down and it's just there's going to be like one guy in the corner like in one of these huge motion rigs racing away yeah that but if, if it makes it stay faster than what you know why not it, it, it might yeah not, but... yeah yeah true so have you a lot of the uh sim racing hardware companies have noticed that there are some parallels mm. with flight simulation so you know gaming gaming hardware as a brand sim racing sits within uh, sorry gaming hardware as a sector sim racing sits within it but there's some kind of synergies with flight because there's you know, mm. elements of kind of force feedback and there's the road to pedals is that something that you've that you've mm. seen looked at acknowledged yeah, thought I mean, about? yeah i think that uh well, right now we are focusing full on sim racing, and that is what we are doing. I don't see that as an. It, it, obviously, with the pedals, I mean, there's something that you could use for like certain types of flight sims mm. as well, and even in even in some helicopter stuff. But uh, mm. Mm, but yeah, it's. It, I mean, yeah, we, we we like to innovate and do new stuff. So. But right now we are focused on, on sim racing and doing doing our best right. there. There is still yeah. still stuff to do in sim racing. So. Talking of sim racing, what do you like to race? What how often? How often <laughs> well, do you like I don't to know. Race? Not that often. Not, not often as I like. So, but we do have obviously some simulators here in the office, and I, I try to squeeze a little bit time every now and then. But I don't know. It it it, it, it depends. I mean, nice. in Finland we are like rally folks, so I do like. But I'm I'm a terrible driver. I I kind of drive really now. If we have better people, thank God we do this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what about what about gaming generally? Like, do you do? Are you? Would you consider yourself a gamer? 
Do you do? Do you do? Do you do any other So I, I, I mean, I used to play some games, but, but yeah, not right now. Let's say it like that. Probably at, at some time when do I have when I have some time, then I might do right. it again. But yeah, but I, I, I've sort of always been like a PC, PC gamer. Nice. I, I actually, mm. I actually, I need to have a PS2 at some point. That was like pretty much the only console. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm, yeah, I was growing up as a kid. I was very much a PC gamer as well. And, oh, and actually, right, this is good timing because yesterday I met the guy who founded the oh, studio wow. and mm. like designed <clears throat> Age of Empires. Like, yeah, that was so. I went to a talk, and then he just—I I didn't really do enough research before the talk. I'm mm. at South by Southwest in Texas at the moment, and he was—he uh, was talking about um, Age of Empires. So I basically waited <laughs> afterwards. I was like, fanboying. Basically, yeah. basically my childhood, and then oh, we spoke man. about Age of Empires for like twenty minutes, and I was That's like, awesome. "Oh my god, I am such you a nerd!" And it's fine. You should have like, invited <laughs> me as well. I love Age of Empires as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's such a great game. I'm always intrigued to to see how much gaming people who work in gaming do because I feel like mm-hmm. a lot of people will game a lot yep. right up until the point mm-hmm. where they start their gaming company, and then it seems to trail off and we, and at the moment we're so there's like six of us at Gridfinder, and obviously chris is the only one mm. who's not in the uk and so we're trying to find more times to just meet up outside of work rather mm-hmm. than always meeting in a meeting um but we're trying to make a conscious decision to not meet doing sim racing to actually meet doing other gaming so that we don't start <laughs> to like you know really <laughs> right work or blah, 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 blah. um but yeah, I think it's interesting. It's interesting to see kind of like how like working patterns can change and how gaming can be like incorporated into. Yeah. Like it's also interesting culture. to kind of think that how much it relates to the work and how much it's just like you growing up and you know having some other responsibilities and stuff like that taking yeah. your time and you know it uh, other thing as well as, as, as just work. Yeah, yeah, I haven't got kids mine are uh so can't, can't they're both in high school yet. so they're they're starting driving soon and then they'll be gone in about four years so <laughs> i'm on the t- i'm on the back nine of that that journey mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the back nine okay so um Hanu, we've taken up uh loads of your time and i really appreciate uh the time that you've given us um, this podcast it's been absolutely mm-hmm. fascinating i think the origin oh. story of simucube has blown my mind um i have just one more my final question is a question I like to ask to uh, like CEOs and founders of sim racing companies, right? Fast forward yourself from now mm-hmm. to five years time. Okay. What's the biggest difference that you see in five years time in sim racing? And what's the biggest difference you see in SimUQ? Five years is a long time. Five years ago, sim racing mm-hmm. didn't have a proper direct right? Or yeah, I think right there. So, yeah, that is a good question. I think that for sim racing, it will, yeah, for good and bad, it will probably become a, like more like a business, like, you know, like a business. So you need to, yeah, it's it's not just hobby anymore. It's just like, there are people who can do it well, or there already are, but not so many people who can do it as their professional kind of live, live on. You don't have to look for, like have a second job or anything. So the, I think 
And also it's very interesting to see that how the motorsport world reacts to like like all these environmental things and, and do they kind of how sim racing can kind of help with that. So do they kind of like fuse together or, mm. or do they like go grow separately mm. and, and how does that go? That, that is like very interesting thing to see that how it turns out. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's hard to predict future. <laughs> right. <laughs> it, yeah it's not an easy question i just i just it's always interesting you know people say oh it's web3 it's nfts it's mm-hmm. it's more esports focused or but I'm, I'm always interested in the hardware like five years from now i'd yeah. love to be able to get like a yeah, i'm pretty sure that, yeah i'm to, pretty sure that five years uh, from now i think that still 100 percent of our customer are humans <laughs> so so we are kind of in the, in the, you know, in the interface way. between the, the, the PC or, or console and, uh, and the human. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that we will still have something to do with the humans, mm. even there in five years. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> humans yeah. will still be sim racing in five years. Also. Well, Hanu, that'll do for us yeah. today. We again, I appreciate you being here. Thank you, Thank you very much. Hopefully, we'll. Are you planning yeah. on going to Sim Racing Expo twenty twenty three? Yeah, at least yeah, somewhere. Yeah. Nice. Well, maybe we will be able to see you there and and say hi once again mm. and and get a get an on the spot interview, but actually record the audio yeah. this time. <laughs> Turn right? the mic on this time. You oh, know, right, yeah. small details, yeah. but <clears throat> we appreciate it very much, Hanu. Um, <laughs> Is there anything that you'd like to share with our listeners and viewers before you jet? Uh, I don't know. Keep racing. Keep racing. There we go. The perfect ending. Thank you very much. Keep racing. Beautiful. Thank you. That's a good question.